Y'all ready for this? And we are live. Welcome back to the Content Swap Podcast. You are joined by Parker and... Aaliyah. And if you're new to the Content Swap Podcast, it's a podcast in which Aaliyah and I swap a piece of content with each other. At the end of each episode, we engage with that content and then we talk about it at the end of the week during the episode. I don't have a pick for next week. So I do have a pick for next week and I'm ready to go because I'm always ready for this podcast. So... Sorry, I'm trying to get. Don't want Mike to get in the hot cocoa. Gotcha. Um, I'll just wing it. When you'll give me your pick, and I'll just on the fly give a pick. All right, I uh, I have a very intentionally picked swap for this week. Okay. So we'll see how it goes. Okay. Maybe I'll give mine first, and based on my theming, you'll go. Oh, you know, like that makes me think maybe I could do this because it makes me think of this. We'll see. All right. Cool. Well, before we dive into this week's content swaps, mm-hmm. where I'm trying to throw branding all over this, um, <laughs> our content swaps, which is what we do when we swap content on the Content Swap Podcast. Yeah. Um, anyway, before we get into this week's pieces of content, uh, what is new with you this week? I feel like there's so much pressure for me to answer this question. <laughs> no, I mean, you don't even have to... You don't have to have any kind of answer to this question. Yeah. Just don't leave me hanging with. I know. Nah, nothing. <laughs> I know. Like, okay, cool. I'm glad s- the people got to know that. <laughs> <laughs> We've been in such a routine. So it's like, there really isn't anything new. However, I did start, um, I, I picked up my Switch again. I had put it down for a while because I got deep into crocheting. Picked it up, started playing Disney Dreamlight Valley again, yeah. which has been fun. I forgot how fun it was. So that's been nice. I haven't crocheted all weekend. Wow. Yeah, that's right. You haven't. I haven't. It was just a bit of Switch playing yesterday, though, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the only time I had to play. Yeah. Well, once this is done, maybe we can play a little more Switch. No, I fully intend to. Okay. Because um, I'm, I'm, I want to play my Switch. <laughs> yeah. No, I will. Um, but aside from that, I made a list of all the shows I have started and have not finished. And I think I'm missing some. Actually, this is a good time. I'm going to read it to you. Oh, yeah. You tell me if I'm missing anything. Go ahead. Okay. Hold on. Let me find it. All right. I need to finish Dave. Yep. That's, that was the first thing that I was thinking. Very first thing. Righteous Gemstones. I love that show. I am still in the middle of season two. Okay. Um, Bridgerton. Still have not finished season that's two. That's true. That's true. In the middle of that. Um, Daisy Jones and the Six. We still have like one episode, two episodes left. Three episodes, but yeah. Oh. Who's counting? <laughs> um, obviously the bear. Yeah. I need to start the new season. And I feel like there's, that's all I have on the list. I feel like there's other shows I'm missing. Uh, we need to finish watching Haikyuu. Oh, okay. That's like a, it'll always be there kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about shows that like I'm fully in the middle I mean, of the, the season. The bear of. will always be there. Bridgerton will always be there. No, but Dave these are will shows, always be there. But these are shows that I'm like in the middle. Like Haikyuu is like a, it's all the same thing. Just, no, it's not. I mean, but it's kind of all the same thing. All I don't right. count anime in this because it's all kind of the same thing, but. Dang. <laughs> Why do we even watch anime? No. You I hear mean, that, like, audience? Shows, it's all the no, same thing. No. Why are we even watching it? <laughs> no. Shows like, wait a second. What? Isn't JJK out season two? Oh, uh, maybe. <gasps> Not yet. We wait. need to figure that out because if we can yeah, watch yeah. that in the theater. I think the, yeah, this the season two, the first episode was supposed to premiere like 
this today, maybe? I don't know. I, we'll look into it. We'll figure it out. Oh, my God. Figure I mean, out when we can watch it. We should watch the movie in the theater. Uh, <laughs> feel free. Uh, I'll probably play my Switch. I always want to watch the movie. I know. I'm, like, not that impressed. I've, I've not really been impressed with anime in general yeah. lately because yeah. right now it seems like all anime is fitting into a certain kind of aesthetic Mm. And it's like this really well animated MAPPA aesthetic, but everything's mm. kind of starting to feel the, the same. same. Okay, I, I said that two seconds ago, and you were I, like, what? Yeah, I know. <laughs> but like everything is starting to kind of blend together. Like Chainsaw yeah. Man and Jujutsu Kaisen mm. are just, they look so similar. Mm. And Chainsaw Man feels almost like I'm watching a parody of Jujutsu Kaisen, mm. which is making me appreciate Jujutsu Kaisen a little bit less I and I don't Jujutsu like that Kaisen. yeah 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 no I'm like I'm, you don't like that you appreciate it <laughs> no I, I don't like that I'm un- depreciating it mm. deep whatever um yeah but I still you know Jujutsu Kaisen I'm, I'm involved you know I'm uh, I'm in it mm-hmm. but I think I'm like three or four episodes into Chainsaw Man and mm-hmm. I'm just like I cannot get into this dang show because mm-hmm. it just it feels like it's trying to do what Jujutsu Kaisen did on the animation front Mm -hmm. and I'm not digging it. Mm -hmm. And also, I mean, I just, I think the story's kind of dumb. Sorry for any toxic Chainsaw Man fans out there. Sorry. Calling out (laughs) that fandom. As you say, sorry. That's that's my bad. That's my bad. I'm sorry. If there are any genuine Chainsaw Fan mans, whatever. Chainsaw fans. (laughs) Chainsaw fan means if there are any genuine Chainsaw Man fans out there that don't appreciate what I'm saying, I understand and I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, it's I just I'm I'm not understanding what is to like so much about yeah. it. Yeah, because um, people really you know they go hard for the show, and I'm just like I'm not yeah. seeing it. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I don't. I'm not counting um anime and on this list because all the ones that like oh i also need to finish um my hero oh yeah that's right my hero academia yeah uh we're in the middle of what season five season five yeah yeah so that's that's the thing it's like my hero academia like season we've watched four seasons of this show you think that we would be like you know invested in it to a point where it's like yeah see the fact that season five and now season six is already done Mm. uh that we'd be like oh my gosh yeah that's like one of our shows like we go watch it and it's like what is going on with anime that we're just like not Not feeling feeling. it i don't know i'm more likely though to want to finish my hero than like something like haikyuu haikyuu to me that's a show that's like Okay, I want to watch something before bed. Yeah. Throw on a few episodes of Haikyuu, you know? It's yeah, like Haikyuu's it's not... a bit more slice of life. Exactly. So that's why I was like, no, that wouldn't be on my list of shows I need to... I'm like rushing to finish, you know? Oh, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. it's like, I don't need to. Yeah. But I was thinking of like shows that it's like, okay, they're coming out with new seasons and I want to watch when everyone else is watching. Or right. like a new season just came out and I still haven't finished the last season and like I need to catch up. And so like these are my shows where it's like I want to finish them as soon as possible yeah so that i can be prepared for the next season or whatever or start the next season um so would my hero academia qualify on that list or you know it'll be it'll be on the list but it's like a if i get to it (laughs) type of thing like these are my top priorities and then my hero if i have some extra time where i'm not watching anything then i can go back to it well, I think we'll see how the release of Jujutsu Kaisen Season 2 goes yeah. and how that feels like, I guess, getting to follow the discourse as yeah. it's coming out. Yeah. And if that's 
if that feels like a rewarding fan experience, then like yeah. you know, if we I finish hope so. I my love hero. it so much. I think it's my favorite anime. Okay. Well, I mean, no, 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 I'm a different I, I mean, kind of anime it. viewer yeah, than yeah. you, but yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, for me personally, I think it might be it might be my favorite thing. Well, okay, obviously, Attack on Titan. Yeah. Phenomenal. I just wish these seasons. <laughs> The way they came out is just like not the best. Well, this but that's but. the thing. Like Attack on Titan, I don't like. There's just something so non-uniform about yeah. how anime is being released these days. Yeah, where it's like you've got Attack on Titan having like a 25 episode season, yeah, and then a 13 episode season, and then a 25 episode mm. season, mm-hmm. and then the final season but it's the final season comes out seasons. over the course of four years yeah yeah it's it's yeah. it's the final season but then you it turns out no wait it's actually the final yeah. season part one and part two is coming out next year it's like okay well then it's not the final season so yeah. what, are you, what are you getting at here yeah but then it's then it's uh okay but now we're doing like a, a two-part finale that that's like two extra oh long gosh. episodes but we're releasing those six months apart it's like just yeah. finish the dang thing. Honestly. Like release it all at once. I I get if it's not ready, but like wait. It's bad years experience. Yeah. <laughs> it's I mean it's just a bad fan experience. Yeah, no, I agree. That's why I was like that's why JJK came to mind first cuz it feels like the most uniform thing that I mean there's only been one season and then the movie. But like Well, it's just kind of this like weird thing that's going on where anime like demon slayer and jujutsu kaisen are so popular that when they release a movie Mm -hmm. for it it's canon Mm -hmm. and that's not a normal thing like when Mm -hmm. an anime has its own offshoot movie yeah it's usually considered not canon yeah but in the case of jujutsu kaisen and demon slayer they decided like oh these arcs that Mm -hmm. are specific to Mm -hmm. the manga Mm we're going to choose to make the movies out of those yeah which then requires the person to watch that movie to get a full picture mm-hmm. which then leads to weird things like demon slayer turning the movie that they did into like chopping episodes. it up into seven episodes is like a special thing on the side mm-hmm. and it's just kind of this like weird thing of like how do we navigate through that if we're requiring people to watch these movies yeah i don't know i kind of like the way they did that all right, I'm not. I'm not feeling it. Mm-hmm. I'm. I am used to the. Uh, I'm. I'm used to the movie experience being kind of like, just on its own, its yeah. own like bottle episode, basically yeah. that just takes place adjacent to the story at large, so that you can just sit and watch the anime, like binge it yeah. after it's all done. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just. <laughs> I, I grew up in a certain era <laughs> and things, well, things are just are changing. They're, they're, yeah. Things are changing they're and changing. I, don't, I don't know how I feel about it. Yeah. I get that. I yeah. don't know. Well, we'll see. Yeah. I'm also kind of realizing like I might be a dubs over subs person for most anime. Like I'm having a hard mm. time getting invested. I was like, which is in my Sorry, mind. Uh, which English is voices over yeah, Japanese yeah. voices. Yeah. There are certain things where I will not compromise and it's like, yeah. that has to be the Japanese voice. Like Hunter x Hunter, mm-hmm. My Hero Academia, mm-hmm. Attack on Titan, mm-hmm. Jujutsu Kaisen, Demon Slayer, all of those things are like, yes, you have to watch that in Japanese. Yeah. Um, but then there are other things that I'm like, Code Geass, Full Metal Alchemist, Brotherhood, Cowboy Bebop, mm-hmm. One Piece. I watch all of those in English. Don't I mean it's okay if you watch One Piece in Japanese, but because the dub is behind. But like 
those things for me are like I feel like I could just get more invested with the English voices. Interesting. Whereas as long as the voice acting is good, I, you know. <laughs> so yeah, I feel like that's why I don't like English versus like having the Japanese voice actors is because like when I watch when I, any anime that I've tried to watch uh, dubbed it pulls me out of it so much. It reminds me, one, this is for children. <laughs> well, I mean, it, yeah, it, it seriously depends on who, is, who the cast is. Yeah. I know. But like for the things that I have watched that are dubbed, that I at least that I've been interested in, um, it just really pulls me out of it because I find their voices. And I, I'm so sorry to say this to the, about the voice actors because I know they're working really hard. But I find their voice is very annoying. Yeah. I can't sit through it. It sounds off to me. And so then when I, that same, those same shows, I go back and I watch it Japan, like in the Japanese like voices. Yeah. I'm like, okay, this doesn't sound so dumb. It doesn't sound yeah. so annoying. And like, it sounds legit like it sounds yeah. like a, a it sounds better in my ears and so okay but i do what i am realizing is i am going to take forever to get through shows because you do have to sit and pay attention to like know what they're saying and so that i think is like why i'm a very slow anime watcher because it's like okay i'm gonna have to dedicate fully like my undivided attention to watching this thing so that i know what they're saying which like yeah and i'm bad about like being on my phone and then i'm like i missed everything they said what like what did they say or like things yeah, like that i'm i'm having a hard time like with the chainsaw man episodes that i've been watching i'm having a hard time like understanding what emotion this character is even feeling right now in some mm. cases like i'm reading it i'm reading what they're saying but yeah. then i'm like what are they i'm just like i'm not getting you can't the, get the tone i'm not getting no it's like you get the tone i guess i'm just like i'm just not getting the impact of their words really from reading them i feel the opposite but i mean i can't like when i watch something like attack on titan i'm like oh yeah that's so intense and you know it was a completely different language yeah um i don't know it just depends on how it's done i guess yeah i yeah because i feel the opposite i feel like it has so much more intensity mm hearing the Japanese version versus the English version version. It's just like, it's just like annoying. It's like, it's act, yeah. like, it's like, it's, it feels fake. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I will say like something like full metal alchemist brotherhood is yeah. very much like a, there's just no budging. It's <laughs> it. You have to watch it in English. Yeah. And I think for me, part of it has to do with like, if it, if the story takes place in Japan, yeah, then Japanese voices all the way. Yeah. If it takes place outside of Japan, it could go mm. either way, you know? Full Metal Alchemist is a little bit more like European influenced, I like do. the the society I guess in which it takes yeah. place in is I was like, a bit how do you more know European. If it's like Japan, like set in Japan or not? Just, I mean, just you know, culturally and art style, and mm. you know, just like the sets, and, you know, like the the environments gotcha. and what they're based in. Like you, like when you look at Full Metal Alchemist, it's like yeah, that's clearly mm. a bit more European. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you look at like Demon Slayer obviously takes place in Japan. Mm-hmm. Like um, there's like shrines and things, mm-hmm. uh, sliding doors, all that. Um, mm-hmm. Like I mean, there's a lot more that indicates that it's in Japan. But like Jujutsu Kaisen, it's literally like Kyoto is where it's taking place. You know, like mm-hmm. those are the kinds of things where it's like, yeah, okay, that I know that takes place in Japan. Mm-hmm. Haikyuu takes place in Japan. It makes me think of. And my hero when they went to America or whatever, they were like, "We're in California," and it looked like Vegas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I mean, is that, part, that what that they was, meant, California? I mean, that was fantastic. 
I mean, no anime ever really takes place in America. Yeah. Um, but it's just like if it takes place in like a fantasy sci-fi world like Cowboy Bebop where it's mm, like in it space, anything, it could yeah. be anything, you know. That makes sense. Um, One Piece takes place like on the ocean, uh, you know, it could be anything. So like One Piece does make sense to me in Japanese, but because it's just so, so lengthy yeah. and watching in Japanese requires your full undivided attention, I have to watch it in English so that I can put it on in the background. That makes sense. Yeah. But that's, I mean, that's a special case. Yeah. Uh, oh, but his voice is so annoying. Who's? Luffy? The one with the hat, yeah. Luffy? The main yeah. character? Yeah. Oh, man. I'm sorry. It's okay. I mean, <laughs> like, you might think Like, sometimes you're he's... watching it, and it's like nails on a chalkboard to I me. Know. I'm like, he's, ah! <laughs> he is kind of an annoying character at times, but he's also yeah. just a great protagonist character. Yeah. And I don't I mean I, think, I don't know if you'd like it anymore if you heard his Japanese voice. No, I think his voice is I think his voice is fitting for how he behaves. Yeah. So it's like it makes sense to me that that's what he would sound like, but at the same time, I <laughs> whatever, you just haven't grown on it with hundreds of episodes like I have. But like anytime you watch it for the rest of the day in my head it's like I'm going to be king of the pirates. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like god. That's what's up. <laughs> I mean, it's different for me because I watched it yeah. growing up. Uh, yeah. I was like, I, I watched it in English when I was a kid. Yeah. And so it's, it's the only story I think that I was really into as a kid that I'm still watching as an adult. That's just not done yet. I get the appeal of it. Like the, that one day where you had it on in the TV and we were like both in bed and I was yeah. like crocheting. So I wasn't fully paying attention, but I wasn't, I wasn't, it was like the Navy was real shady. I was yeah. like, Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh no, that wasn't even like. It wasn't like a, it was like filler. Like no, a, no, it, it wasn't filler. It's just no. like the start of a new arc. So it's like not mm. even, that's like not even the good stuff. Yeah. You, you know? were like, this is not good. And I was like, it's not that it wasn't good. It. I just wasn't like, I don't invested. I, I wasn't, I don't, I don't. Yeah. I just haven't found my, my investment point. Like there always mm. comes a point where you're like, oh, ha, 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 yeah. in each arc. Yeah. And I'm like, well, it's just not there yet. Cause it's the start of a new one. So, mm. uh, yeah. And when you hit that point where it's like, ha, 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 uh, mm-hmm. Then you, when you turn French, uh, watching, <laughs> <laughs> that's when it's like, yeah, that's the good stuff. Got you. Yeah, well, but yeah. The, there's there is one arc where some pirates are going against the navy, or it's like a, f- a couple hundred episodes prior to where I'm at right now. That's like that is just good the whole time. Yeah, it's like it's from the beginning to the end. It's like, oh, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because yeah, navy's super shady. Mm, yeah in one like piece a man experimenting on folks i was like this mess is wild yeah yeah, yeah. no i mean one piece is secretly very mature yeah but anyway well fun anime <laughs> i know rant. all from my shows i need to finish <laughs> um if you were really interested in listening to us talk about mission impossible and uh <laughs> the intern maybe you already cut ahead to that stuff we've been on this for a while i know um who knew yeah anyway what's up with you i don't really have i'll keep this really short i don't really have a lot to update i'm almost done with zelda i like i i I need maybe five more hours i'm maybe like crossing my fingers that i can finish it today we will see but i'm almost done haven't played final fantasy 16 at all i've been getting really bad headaches because of my eyes i got um just with eye strain happening really bad from working a lot and doing a lot of things with screens. So I got new glasses coming hopefully this week and I'm really excited about it because <laughs> it's supposed to provide some relief yeah. and I can't wait. 
Like I was doing fine today. It's like once I have to read something on a screen, that's when it just gets bad. I was like, you're probably doing if fine because you haven't, yeah, you haven't been on like your screens as much today. Yeah. Yeah. And the, as soon as I sat down to type up my notes for this podcast, I started hurting. Mm. It's like as soon as I'm reading small text on a screen, it's bad. Um, make your text bigger. Well, yeah, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like when I was playing Final Fantasy 16 last weekend, yeah, I was fine. But then they have this really cool like active time lore feature where if you're confused at all in a scene, you can hit pause and it'll give you a breakdown of like who is this person in this scene or what mm. is this location in this scene. And I read, I found myself reading through that a couple times. But then as soon as I did, I was like, oh, my eyes hurt, and that sucks. Yeah. So, anyway. Uh, update on that once I get new glasses. <laughs> but yes, um, almost done with Zelda. Haven't played Final Fantasy. I do plan on going back to that soon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of it. Just a lot of a lot of life happening this week. Yeah. Um, but I'll. Uh, yeah, and I'm just kind of thinking about like things that I can do for myself uh, while certain life things are going on and I'm, I'm going to talk about some of that later when we're talking about the intern i got some good notes okay yeah some things that it made me th- watching that movie made me think about oh, so stay tuned for that interesting i'm glad i'm glad i'm excited to hear what you have to say yeah just just things of like being in life you know <laughs> am i happy <laughs> no you're well, like kind of <laughs> 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 no, not like, not like that. We'll, just, we'll get into it. We'll yeah, get into it. no, it definitely makes you reflect. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, cool. All right. All right, well, ready to dive in? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, so I was assigned to watch Mission Impossible 6 is what I wrote. And then I realized you put Mission Impossible Fallout. <laughs> Mission Impossible Fallout 2018. Uh, yes. Um, and so basically... Um, The story follows Ethan Hunt, who is an agent for the IMF, or Impossible Mission Force. Um, This is Tom Cruise's character, in case you've been living under a rock. Yes, this is Tom Cruise. Um, And he was tasked to work alongside a CIA agent named August Walker, who's played by Henry Cavill, for this important mission. And so the goal of this mission is to obtain three plutonium cores um, from this bad guy named John Lark, who's working with this terrorist group called the Apostles. Um, And they plan to create a nuclear attack on basically like a bunch of religious kind of like epicenters. So it's like the Vatican um, and a few other places. Mecca. Yeah. Jerusalem. Yeah. And Saudi Arabia, I think. Well, it was somewhere in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, it was like Israel. Yeah. It was Israel. Uh, well, you know, Israel, <laughs> the Vatican, and Mecca. Yeah. yeah. Yes. The Mecca. Um, and so basically, this mission leads to a wild goose chase where they are trying to acquire John Lane um, from John po- Lark. John Lark, sorry. Are oh you my reading gosh. Your I literally wrote Lane. Lane. Yeah. My bad. John Lark. John Lane. So <laughs> So let me get this straight. John Lark is working with the the apostles to get some plutonium and Tom Cruise and Henry Cavill have to go stop that mess. Yes. So they're on a chase to acquire Lark from police custody um, and locate the plutonium while avoiding kind of like a bunch of different people who are trying to stop them. Wait, sorry. Repeat. What was this about police custody and John Lark? John Lark's like in a, like in Paris, the police like 
He's all... Oh, this... All right. uh, Your John Lane comment suddenly makes a whole bunch of sense. Um, No, you're getting it mixed up. So... Oh, no. There's so many names. There's so many characters. (laughs) I know. I mean, that that really gets at, like, kind of how complicated this movie is. And I was really interested to hear you summarize it. Is there a John Lane? No, it's uh, Solomon Lane. Who's that? That's the guy who was in police custody that they needed to bust out. (laughs) He was the bad guy of Mission Impossible 5, the one before this, and they need to bust him out of jail. But John Lark is this, like, secret guy that nobody knows what he even looks like who wants to, like, blow up these places. And then in an effort to figure out... In an effort to get the plutonium... uh, They need to exchange Lane... No, 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 no. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. They need to exchange Lane for the plutonium yeah. with this woman who, like, we really don't need to the dive white widow. into her. She's going to be in the new movie, so maybe we should. Oh, but gosh. I didn't take notes on her. Tom, <laughs> Tom Cruise and Henry Cavill are trying to assume the identity of John Lark so yeah. that they can figure out where the plutonium is. Gotcha. And they find a guy who they believe to be John Lark. They get into a big fight with him. So clearly they found the right guy. Mm -hmm. It doesn't end up actually being John Lark. It ends up being a decoy. Mm -hmm. But they get into a fight with this guy and then he ends up getting killed kind of on accident Mm -hmm. uh, because Ilsa Faust kills him. And I don't even, we don't, that's, it's too much much to get into her whole thing. But he ends up assuming the identity of John Lark because John Lark is going to be doing this deal with the White Widow, mm-hmm. and the White Widow's whole thing is that she's a broker. So she's like, okay, yeah, we've got the plutonium. I've got you know the person who's going to give it to you. But what they need from you is to let this Solomon Lane guy Walk out free. of jail. Yeah. yeah, and that's the bad guy from the previous movie. Mm-hmm. And Tom Cruise is like, oh, well, crap, you know, I've got, I got to get this plutonium to prevent, you know, nuclear explosions from happening, but also this guy's bad mm-hmm. and I've got to choose what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that's, that's me helping you out there. Oh, I'll, I'll oh leave the rest to you. <laughs> <laughs> this is also where I started to fall asleep. So. <laughs> yeah, that is the part where you did fall asleep. So I was very confused. For, for like only a few minutes. Yeah, yeah, I made it through most of it. Um, okay, well... Sure. (laughs) (laughs) So once they... Okay, now I have to like... Because in here I have Lane throughout the whole thing. (laughs) Lane is probably correct. I don't know. But at one point... At some point they... There is a reveal of who John Lark actually is later. I don't remember that. Okay, how about you summarize and then I will... <laughs> you'll, when you'll correct. You'll, right, yeah, there, there's a part where you will say a thing and I'll be like, and that's where they revealed that. Okay. Yeah. So they successfully get Lark. Nope. Lane. There you sorry. go. <laughs> they successfully get Lane from that police car or whatever and they bring him to a safe house um and at this safe house they learn that august aka henry cavill is actually the bad guy aka john lark oh my gosh are you serious <laughs> yes okay he was john lark the whole time i just thought he was bad like oh, I was- oh okay <laughs> No, it's that revealed that sense. John Lark was Henry Cavill the whole time. Because <laughs> I was like, he's leading the apostles, which I was like, that's, he's so, ra- like, how did he get into that? That's so random. No, that it's John Lark. Lark. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm all squared away now. Yeah, all right. Good. 
Anyway, I'm just going to continue to call him Henry Cavill because I'll yeah, fix yeah, up no, their names. Well, because he's August Walker, John yeah. Mark, yeah. Henry Cavill. So Henry Cavill and Lane, John Lane. His name's not John Lane. Lane Solomon, Solomon Lane. Lane. <laughs> I'm just going to call him Lane. Henry Cavill yeah, and Lane. Um, after So after it's revealed that, that Henry Cavill's the bad guy, they end up taking off and traveling to Kashmir. Is that correct? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Where they plan to set off these nuclear bombs, which will contaminate the water supply and basically create like a very slow mass genocide. Um, and so of like a third of the world's population. Yeah. Will like, they'll like starve to death because they can't get water from this water source. Right. Um, and this was all the plan based on this like manifesto. That, that they, John Lark that, wrote. <laughs> yes. That yes. Henry Cavill wrote. Ew. Um, and so <laughs> yeah. to make matters worse... In Kashmir, Ethan's ex-wife, Julia, is currently working as a doctor at the medical camp there. And so not only will, like, a third of the world die, um, but his wife, his ex-wife's going to die. And, like, who wants that? No one. And she's not there by coincidence. She's there right. because Lane kind all of, planned. like, he privately funded her group that's, yeah. like, treating people in remote countries yeah. um, to come help out there. And they're like, wow, how great. Yeah. Uh, not having any idea that it's all part of this ploy to... Right. Get basically just like to stab to Ethan in the heart and twist it even Exactly, more. yeah. Yeah. Because there's a part where... Mm. Tom Cruise is Ethan uh, is chasing after Henry Cavill and Henry Cavill's got a clear opportunity to shoot him. But then he's like, Oh, I've got a picture of your wife. So like, don't do nothing. Um, (laughs) But he's also like, I can't kill you because Lane still has plans for you. And you were like, what does that even mean? It's, it's, it's the fact that Lane wants to torture Ethan with Mm. this whole like wife conundrum in Kashmir of like, yeah, we're going to blow up, this water source and ruin that for people but also we're gonna blow up your wife yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah ew i hate henry cavill's character um okay that's understandable yeah. <laughs> he's not a good he's guy good. in this movie yeah um which i'll come back to that in a minute so basically ethan and his team which i know i didn't talk about who was on this team it's too much to go into you'll get lost in the details so ethan and his team go to Kashmir. there's a lot of fighting there's a lot of searching for the, the bombs. Um, but overall, by the end of it, the IMF team successfully defeat Henry Cavill and John, or sorry, and Lane, <laughs> <laughs> and um, stop the bombs from going off. So everyone is fine and dandy, um, except for their, like, uh, Tom Cruise's boss. He ended up dying earlier in the movie. Because, Alec Baldwin's yeah, character. Henry yeah. Cavill killed him. Yeah, I'm almost wondering like if it was even a good idea for us to summarize the story of this movie yeah, because it it's so recently. complicated. Oh. No, no, that's not what I meant. It came out five years ago. It's fine. Oh. The The story is honestly whatever. Like, yeah. you know, all you need to know is like there's a bad guy Yeah. and oh no, this guy's a bad guy mm-hmm. and we're trying to stop this bad guy but in order to do so, we might have to release this bad guy yeah. and it turns out the good guy was the bad guy <laughs> and then they're yeah. fighting and that's the ex-wife. You know, that's all that really matters. That's, yeah, that's it's, why I summarized it in the way that I did yeah. because I was like, I was get, like, even reading. It's I was hard like, to follow. Yeah, I didn't take any notes during the movie and when I was reading the like summary, I was like, what? <laughs> like, this made me way more confused than I anticipated. And I was like, all right, I remember like three solid main characters. That's what I'm going to go with. And it feels like those are the only characters that are truly important to like 
the plot. I feel like these movies are easier to summarize by the set pieces and the mm-hmm. stunts mm-hmm. that go down. Yeah. Because the story feels like just... A bunch of stuff. The, the, I mean, the story is, I think in this franchise, feels like it's meant to just stitch together these big mm. crazy stunts that they're cooking up like give a reason for every them. yeah <laughs> every time they get a new idea they're like oh you know what like tom what if or or tom is probably honestly the guy coming up with most of this stuff like in the fifth one he's like oh yeah i'm gonna do this like crazy jump into this water and i'm gonna need to hold my breath for like four minutes mm-hmm. and they're like how do we set that up exactly <laughs> And it's like in the in that movie, it's like oh, it's because it's like it's the server room is underwater, and it's like a special whirlpool server what? that they need to like hack into, and it can only be done underwater. What? And it's like that's ridiculous. Does it? Does a server like that exist? <laughs> I don't know, but these guys have one, and Tom yeah. Cruise is gonna get in. Yeah, that's so silly. Um, no, that's understandable. So. My thoughts on the movie. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> First of all, I found the movie to be extremely predictable. Yeah. So while we were watching it, I kept saying like, oh, this is going to happen next. And then it would happen next. And then I remember we're sitting there and I was like, Henry Cavill's the bad guy. And then like literally shortly after, it was like this big reveal. And I was like, did they just reveal he was the bad guy? You're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a big moment. <laughs> I mean, I, I thought so he was prepared for it. I thought he was a bad guy from watching the trailers. Mm. I mean, when they so at the very beginning of the movie, when they're first teamed up and they're going into Paris, they do this like skydiving stunt or they skydive. It's till, a halo jump. There we go. They do that. Um, and Henry Cavill, because they had gone through like a lightning storm and I guess he got struck by lightning and he like is like unconscious and kind of like plummeting. And because he's unconscious, like he, you know, can't save himself. So Tom Cruise has to save him. And I was literally like, should have just left him. Yeah. Like, no, <laughs> like, like, think about his buys. I was yeah. like, no, I don't trust him at all. Well, immediately from the jump, you're supposed to kind of be like, this guy sucks. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. they're just working together because they have to. Yeah, for sure. So that the, the, the villain was super predictable. The stunts, like, before they even like really commenced. I knew exactly. I was like, all right, he's about to, he's going to jump off a building. Like, I know this is going to happen. And then he would run, he would jump off the building. He, I was like, when they're fight, he's fighting Henry Cavill on this like mountain. I'm like, all right, at some point they're going to fall off. He's going to free solo back up. That's exactly what he did. It's just like, it's, it's so. Is there anything wrong with that though? Okay. Here's my thoughts. Yeah. Here's my thoughts. I don't think anything's wrong with it. it. The movie has a lot of tropes. Like it's all the like, like the cool spy tech stuff. You're seeing that. Like he's gonna have some sort of run chase. There's gonna be some sort of motor- motorcycle chase. Whatever. It has a lot of tropes. It's very predictable. I think if you're someone who really enjoys action, that's totally fine because you're not there for the plot. You're there to see the cool jump off buildings, yeah. car chases. Like that's what you're there for. For someone like me, where I don't care about action and I really need a story to like invest in, to get me to care about the characters and what they're doing and why they're doing it, like I don't care that he jumped off a building. I don't care that he drove a car or whatever. Like, yes, it's, I mean, that's awesome. And especially since he does his own stunts, I'm not diminishing that at all. That's amazing. And like, he's insane for that. <laughs> Cause yeah. like no amount of money would I be doing that. Yeah. And he clearly just does it for the thrill of it. But while I can appreciate that, it's not enough for me. And so like, for me, 
the predictability of it made this movie really corny and really uninteresting to me. Mm. And so, yeah. And so as someone who doesn't care for action to sit down and watch this, I wasn't excited. Like I wasn't, I wasn't thrilled from it. You know, I was just sitting there like, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen in the movie. Cool. You know? Yeah. I mean, where I, where I draw the line for this movie mm-hmm. and like why it's entertaining to me, despite yeah. like you are correct. I mean the the story is 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 there. Like you get much more coherent, mm-hmm. intelligent story from this than you would like Fast and the Furious, mm-hmm. for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is it's still second fiddle to the action scenes. Yeah, and. I think what separates this series from Fast and Furious mm-hmm. and you know they could both be like dumb I guess at times but Fast and Furious is like actually dumb mm-hmm. um but it focuses much more on like computer generated effects and yeah uh you know you can heavily rely on, or count on the fact that like a lot of what you're seeing is not real yeah whereas a mission impossible movie mm-hmm. what they're trying to like kind of push the limit of action or push yeah. the envelope of action of like what you can do in camera mm-hmm. with a stunt person mm-hmm. and use as little cgi as possible for yeah. getting these absolutely bonkers sequences yeah no i agree that that's awesome I just wasn't captivated by it. So, like, I, I think the type of action that I like, because I've been thinking about this all day as I've, like, reflected on this movie. Yeah. This, to me, it, this feels like an American version of James Bond, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I do, do not like James. I've seen three James Bond movies, I, four James Bond movies. I don't like any of them. I mean, they're not. Uh, eh, but, yeah, go <laughs> but ahead. Yeah. Sorry. But my, I think my type of action, because I was like, well, it's not that I don't like action per se, because there are action movies I do like. And I was thinking of like John Wick. I love the John Wick series. Like what makes that different from this? And why do I like this? Why do I like John Wick more than I like Mission Impossible or James Bond or any of those? Yeah. And it's like, to me, not to say that what Tom Cruise is doing isn't masterful because it definitely is and it's super dangerous and scary, but like I'm more captivated by things that are more realistic. So like the hand-to-hand combat, yeah. like watching John Wick and like that's literal hand, like they're they're doing that. Like, you know, I don't know, it's just weird. It's like yeah. more impressive to me to see like the martial arts aspects of John Wick and things yeah. like that than it is to see someone drive a car off like a cliff or something like that. Like, I don't know. It's so just, I guess it's, it's person to person action yeah. versus vehicle I, yeah, action. I feel more invested in the person yeah, because it's like they're going hand to hand with another person. Yeah. I mean, I like martial arts movies because of, you know, the fight sequences. Like yeah. you are paying attention to every move of the yeah. fight. Whereas this is, you know, if there is a hand-to-hand fight sequence, I will say that bathroom scene is actually pretty well done. Okay, that part. Because I think the, thing, the part of the movie of this movie that I liked the most was seeing Henry Cavill fight the guy in the bathroom. Yeah. Like, that, to me, was more... Because I was like, oh, Henry Cavill can fight. Like, look at him. And, yeah. like, that was so much more impressive, and I was so much more invested in that scene than anything that Tom Cruise did. I mean, that was a great scene, but I don't know. I guess for me, knowing how they filmed a lot of these vehicle shots, like knowing how dangerous it is and like yeah. how you got to get the best of the business in the world uh, to do 
any of these things. Yeah. And the fact that Tom Cruise is laying his life on the line to get these shots. Yeah. That's like, how can you not enjoy it? Like no. that's, yeah. he's not doing it because he's like, oh, I've got this new Mission Impossible story yeah. that I really want to tell. It's like, no, he's he's doing this to keep the spectacle of movie making alive yeah. and yeah. to provide that like popcorn fare that hits a certain standard that like fast and furious for example is not hitting you know like if mission impossible didn't exist and instead we were just getting marvel movies and fast and furious like Mm -hmm. things would suck Mm -hmm. we wouldn't get things like john wick Mm -hmm. uh I mean, I'm not saying Mission Impossible is responsible for John Wick, but it's like things like John Wick and mm-hmm. Mission Impossible for me are keeping the spirit of like pushing the envelope in the industry alive. Yeah. yeah. Whereas Fast and Furious and Marvel might be a bit more like by the numbers, like yeah. just as per usual kind of stuff. Yeah. No, I totally get that. That's why I'm like, I don't want what I say to make it sound like I don't appreciate the actual like making of it. Like I said, I think Tom Cruise is amazing for actually doing these things. Like all the people involved are amazing for doing those. But I think for me, it's like, I don't like the spectacle. I like the stripped down raw version of things. I, I see. And so for me, it's like, cool you can keep trying to outdo and outdo and outdo and make it bigger and bigger and bigger and i'll be here for it every time (laughs) but like for me personally i like the raw i like the strip down i like the one-on-one two people on the screen there's nothing else involved it's just them going at it type of thing and so that to me is more captivating than the big like I don't climbing a helicopter or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, like this, uh, I'll use this, uh, halo stunt as an example. Mm-hmm. So the, this is the scene where they jump out of the plane and they're skydiving and Henry Cavill gets hit by lightning and they've got like oxygen that they have to be using and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that whole sequence, they had to train a whole year to be able to film it. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to film it had to be filmed like at dusk because mm-hmm. like nighttime wouldn't really work, but it's leading into a scene that takes place like in a nightclub. So mm-hmm. it had to take place at dusk, which left them only a three minute window every time that they tried to film it mm-hmm. to film it. Mm-hmm. They, it's a sequence that's done in one shot. It's mm-hmm. filmed on an IMAX camera, which is 20 pounds mm-hmm. attached to this cameraman's head. Mm-hmm. And he's got to figure out how to keep that level. And they use like a special technology to mm-hmm. keep Tom cruise in focus because mm-hmm. the cameraman can't look through the the viewfinder because he's skydiving <laughs> and yeah. um and like they had to do all this training to, they had to build like with the largest wind tunnel in the world to do some of the rehearsing like outside of actual skydiving yeah and then when it came to actually skydiving like tom cruise did a whole like a year's worth of skydiving training and he did five skydives a day one in the morning three in the afternoon and one at dusk like a hundred times in order to like train to do this like one shot sequence yeah in the air which is like it's just wild and, and it's like i don't it's just so impressive and like simon Pegg even said uh simon Pegg is one of the guys in the movie who's on 
uh, Ethan Hunt's team, he would visit while they were doing some of the skydiving, like training. And he said, you know, it's a daily stress getting to work with Tom Cruise because you don't know if you're going to see him tomorrow. And uh, I mean, I like, I'm not saying, like, yeah. yeah, Tom Cruise, go put your life on the line for my <laughs> entertainment. But like, yeah, I think that's what I struggle with. I'm like, why? Like, why? Are, why do we need this? He lives for it. I know. I know. I mean, it's his decision at the end of the day. But I'm like, why do we need it? This is a lot of investment for very high risk for what? <laughs> for us to look at it and go, holy moly, look what they did. I guess. And I'm all about that, you know? I guess. I don't know. I don't know, like, would my life be any different if I didn't see that? <laughs> no. But yeah. I'm glad I did. I mean, that's what it's all about. It's about... It's about the enjoyment and the thrill and the craft. And mm-hmm. I mean, that's what these people who are making these movies live for. They they want to put their best work out there. Mm-hmm. And for them, it's like, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, that was super stressful because Tom Cruise is our leading man and he's putting his life on the line. Mm-hmm. But they're successful every time. And I'm sure it makes them a lot of money, too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, to each his own. But I, I think it's just not for me. And that's okay. fine. That's, you know. All right. All right. Well, um, I've got some other facts in here that are uh, just just a little bit more praise on Tom Cruise and the okay. stunts. Uh, okay. If you want to hear those. Yeah. I have like an overall, like overall thoughts, but I'll just save it for the end. Okay. After you do all your notes. Okay. Um, so he did a lot of his, he did all of his own stunt driving as well. So there's a sequence where he does a 180 degree turn in a car and they performed four takes of that. And he did it perfectly three times. And I read that like, it was such a complex move that, uh, you know, stuntmen, stunt drivers, they train their whole life to be able to be, be that good at something like that. And he, Tom Cruise is just like, he's at that caliber. Um, so there's tooting the Tom Cruise horn a little bit more. Um, anyway, so that, that jump from building to building that you mentioned, that was like, you know, super predictable. Cause I, yeah, it was definitely predictable that, so that I, as I told you while we were watching the movie, that was when he fractured his ankle jumping from one building to the, to the next. I remember that being on the news when it happened. Yep. The, the shot where he broke his ankle is the one that made it into the movie. Um, and yeah, it uh, delayed production by only eight weeks. And Cruz stated that despite it being the one stunt where he got injured, it was of all the stunts that he did, the easiest one. Which that's that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> He's crashed. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, the part of the Paris. There's like a whole chase sequence that's going on in Paris. Mm-hmm. There's a part where he's on a motorcycle and he's going around the Arc de Triomphe, and there's that which is like a big roundabout uh, on the street. And they had 70 stunt drivers like choreographing driving, and Tom Cruise was on a motorcycle weaving between these cars that are actively in motion without a helmet on. I literally, when we were watching that, I was like, if I were a Paris local, I would be livid. You are shutting down these roads for Tom Cruise to ride around on his motorcycle. Like, so I got you know how inconvenient that would be? Yeah, you made that comment when we were watching the movie. So I figured out, I went digging and <laughs> found out 
that every time they had to, because they, a lot of these parts of the sequence take place in front of large tourist destinations. So every time they filmed in front of one of those things, they did it on a Sunday morning from 6 to 8 a.m. All that noise? What if you live <laughs> live next to those things? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it's two hours on yeah. a Sunday. Yeah. Like, they had a very limited window, the mm-hmm. small room for error. They had to get it just right. They would have to. They would have to. Like, I think about, like, the weirdest thing of, like, when I lived in L.A. Yeah. It's like we would get, um, we would get flyers, like, sent to our apartments of when they were filming in front of our apartment. And it's like, hey, just a heads up. They're filming something in front of the apartment. Um, you might hear, like, gunshots. They're fake. It's for the, like, thing they're filming for. Like, we would get that, like, all the time. Like, every month it felt like. And, like, even that, because I'm like, well, am I allowed to leave? Like, <laughs> like can I, am I going to be, like, stop block? And, like, to think about that, it's like, okay, well, how does this impact, like, me getting to school, me getting to work, whatever. You know? Okay. It's a Sunday morning from I mean, yeah, 6 no. to 8. I'm saying it makes sense that they would yeah. do it on a Sunday morning early in the morning yeah. because, like, that really creates a pain especially, for a lot of people. Yeah, especially in France. Like, they stay up late. They're not going <laughs> to be up at 6 to 8 on a Sunday, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Anyway. Uh, helicopter flying takes place in this movie. He did a lot of that himself <laughs> as well. Um, okay. Do you, did you find facts about... I did. I did okay. find some facts about... So you wanted me to find facts on... There's this climactic cliff sequence where they're like crashing helicopters and the helicopters are rolling on this cliff. There's snow like flying There's everywhere. There's snow flying everywhere. Tom Cruise is, Tom like Cruise strapped, is in strapped in flying <laughs> around. His limbs are flying yeah. all over the place. And I was like, there's no way someone survived that. <laughs> so they did do a lot of that. <laughs> okay, okay. How? Hear me out. Hear me out. Um, so they staged a helicopter crash in a ba- on a back lot in England. They set up a special rig so that helicopters could slide and roll down a slope. With the actors inside getting all jumbled up with their limbs flying all over the place, um, but they were really they were strapped in. They were very secure. It was equated to kind of like a roller coaster ride, but an incredibly dangerous roller coaster ride because it was still very dangerous. Like Henry Cavill said, you know, if like if while they were tumbling they caught their wrist in the wrong place, yeah, um, which was very hard to control, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, you know, then he could have ended up with a permanent injury. But oh you know, they were successful and they did it. And, and like in the scene too, they like hit each other at some point, don't they? Like the both of their oh, both of the helicopters like helicopters like crashing each, each other. Yeah, yeah, that was all just like constructed and done with you know cables and rigs. You cannot pay pulley me enough systems. for this. Yeah, I know. Absolutely not. Yeah. You would have to be giving me millions upon millions upon millions, almost billions yeah. for me to sign up for this. So I, I was watching a behind the scenes video. So the, the part that's on the actual cliff, yeah, that was filmed in Norway. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they do the helicopter crash. They didn't do the helicopter crash on right. that cliff because <laughs> that's a steep cliff, yeah. right? They do that on a back lot. Yeah. But they do, you know, the the fight sequence on that cliff in Norway. And apparently the weather conditions were so intense on that cliff that like they had to crawl at times because of the wind being so bad. Oh my gosh. Um, And just 15 minutes after they finished filming, 
in that spot, um, a blizzard just hit the whole thing. So like they, you know, they got out and right in time. But I, the the behind the scenes thing that I watched, like yeah, they they just built like a whole setup. They like they, I think one guy said, yeah, we just built a small town on the side of this cliff, so that they could get these shots. Could they not like have like the helicopter kind of like suspended and just like twist them? Like I think of like in Shang Chi how they had the bus. The bus that he was on, kind of like yeah, but they had like so many different buses for that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. well, yeah. I mean, the they did a lot of helicopter related rigging and stuff. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't think they were. I don't know if they were suspending a helicopter off of the side of that cliff. Maybe they were. Yeah, but they were definitely suspending Henry Cavill and Tom Cruise off the side of that cliff, but like mm. holding them up with cables and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a part where Tom Cruise is climbing up a payload uh which is basically just imagine like a, a big ball hanging from the bottom of a of a helicopter uh on a wire and tom cruise is climbing up that wire and then he falls at one point and lands on the payload but then holds on they actually filmed that but tom cruise was attached to with like a pulley system to the top of the helicopter but he did you know like fall on his butt basically on that thing and then you know from there like if he falls off he's still he's just hanging from the helicopter Mm -hmm. it's a helicopter that's in the air (laughs) and in motion it's still very dangerous but yeah yeah ah too much yeah and this was only five years ago we got a new one coming out in a few days baby what is wrong with that man (laughs) um Okay, only two other things that I have on here that were kind of interesting. Um, Rebecca Ferguson, who plays Ilsa Faust, Mm -hmm. she's a character in this movie, and her part is honestly just kind of confusing, but um, (laughs) she kind of just turns into his love interest by the end. Like, he's got his ex-wife, who's not with anymore because he's a a danger man, (laughs) danger spy man, um, and she's just like a doctor. Mm-hmm. And then we've got Ilsa Faust, who is, you know, his spy girlfriend. Um, so her actress was actually seven months pregnant by the time filming was done on oh this movie. Gosh. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. That is interesting. Because um, she was out there running and everything yeah. with everybody else. Her character gets hit by a car at one point. Oh, yeah. I'm sure she that did was not. probably not her at yeah, all. <laughs> yeah, no. She was wearing, like, all black leather yeah, and, and a, a motorcycle helmet. Yeah. yeah. You could, you know. Get a stunt woman in there. Um, And then the final fact that I have is about... A lot of people know this about Henry Cavill's mustache. Do you know this? I don't know. So this movie, Henry Cavill filmed this after he filmed Justice League. But Mm -hmm. then Justice League needed to do reshoots. But he was in the middle of filming this movie. Mm -hmm. And he was contractually obligated to keep his mustache. Mm -hmm. So having to do superman does not have a mustache Mm -hmm. so that like required the uh, vfx artists working on those justice league reshoots to develop mustache removal technology (laughs) um and so there are there are certain parts in the theatrical cut of justice league where it's they did a pretty good job not gonna lie but there are parts where his face looks a little stiff and that's because Mm. that's when you can tell like ah that's a mustache shot (laughs) um that's so funny yep there was like there was this whole thing about like wb was going to 
offer $3 million to Paramount to let him shave his mustache. Yeah. Uh, and pay, like pay them $3 million for them to add the mustache back on in post. And Paramount caught wind of that and they were like, no, he's keeping the mustache. You CGI it, you know? Yeah. The whole mustache debacle. Oh my gosh. Yep. Too much. Uh, and that's it. Did you... Are you feeling excited about watching the new one? <laughs> okay. This was my last Yeah, hit us with your I overall wrote. thoughts. Overall, it was okay. Did I hate it? No. That's a would win. I, would I watch it again? No. That's fair. <laughs> Am I excited for the new one? No. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, babe. I mean, I knew all of this. I wrote down, I said, I feel like I got the Mission Impossible experience once, and that's all I need for the rest of my life. <laughs> See, for me, I'm like, oh, I forgot like how well done these movies are. <laughs> and there's there's such big spectacle. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. I got to go watch all the other ones now. I mean, the good ones. Yeah. Like four, five, four and five. Yeah. yeah. I would watch four and five again. Yeah. I, would, I do not need to see one, two, or three ever again. Mm-hmm. One and three are fine. They're like pretty good movies. Two is just, I mean, we were watching it. It was on like FX uh, mm-hmm. earlier. And like, it's bad. That movie sucks. Um <laughs> Yeah, it looked but bad. like four, five, and six, I would rewatch these movies tons of times. I'm very much looking forward to this next one. I'm like, I know you are, which I'm yeah. trying to be excited for you. It's okay. Just pay attention <laughs> to the stunts. Who cares about the story? Just well, maybe there's some hand-to-hand combat sequences. <laughs> I think there's like a hand-to-hand knife fight on top of a train in this new one. Maybe oh you'll like that. Even that feels predictable. It's like, of course, there'd be a hand-to-hand train fight. I don't know. <laughs> No, I will go in with a positive attitude. All right. I mean, oh, wait, I'm getting the movie weekends mixed up. Yeah, Barbenheimer is not for another two weeks. Yeah, okay. I will just get a good snack. (laughs) Yeah. And we'll be good. Okay. Yeah. This this Mission Impossible movie comes out on Wednesday. So, like, if we want to go during the week, we could, I don't know. Um, but if we wanted to go during the week, we could technically. I will for sure fall asleep. I am so exhausted every day during the week. I think they actually did Wednesday because it's showing on IMAX screens, mm. but then Oppenheimer is taking over the IMAX screens the mm. following week, which I heard Tom Cruise is not very happy about. Um, Tom Cruise, there's been six of the seven of these now. You can survive with one not being an IMAX. Yeah, 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 yeah. But by releasing it on Wednesday, they're maximizing yeah. the, the potential for it's... people to see it in IMAX. Got you. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I am not seeing this in the week. I'm sorry. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> I can't. Will you see it on an IMAX screen? Are you paying for the ticket? Yeah. Sure, then we can do whatever you want. All right, perfect. <laughs> Obviously not in 3D. That's no. Um, oh no. Yeah. I, I, I don't not, like any movie in 3D. I don't need to ever see a 3D movie again unless it's you know the next Avatar. No. Anyway. Moving on. Yep. I heard there's a game that you want. It's called Witchy Life Story. Don't look through all my notes. Sorry. That list of games it's, they it's want on is so here. long. Yeah. The, of games that you want? Yeah. Yeah. I've got a long list of games too. I've starred the ones that I'm waiting to come out that I really want. Nice. I have a list like that too. Yeah. Well, I can't. I'm going to look at your list later. Go for it. All right. Whew. Okay. Moving along. We spent a long time on that one. I We're, mean, I figure there was just a lot to cover. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm like, wonder, are we like an hour in at this point? How, how deep in this are we? Mm-hmm. All right, let's just keep going. Okay, so this week, the swap that I received <laughs> was uh, The Intern, which came out in 2015. This is a movie starring Robert De Niro and Anne Hathaway. So Robert De Niro, his character, plays Ben Whitaker. He's a retired widower living in New York City who's grown tired with having all the time in the world available to him. So one day, because he's retired, one day while he's on a walk, he comes across an ad for a senior internship. A company called About the Fit is starting a new program where they want to bring in a senior citizen that's above the age of 65 to be an intern at their company for six weeks. Ben sees this as the perfect opportunity to give himself something exciting to do as he worked in business for 40 years. So he applies to the job, everybody at the company loves him, and he gets the job. So at the company, it's being run by Anne Hathaway's character, Jules Austin. And Ben is asked to be her personal intern. So Ben's whole big thing as a character is that he's he is an old-fashioned gentleman. He's such a sweetie. He is a sweetie, yes. <laughs> he's adorable in this movie, and I love it. He wears a suit every day. He carries a handkerchief with him. He's polite and professional all the time. He works hard, and a lot of people come to love and appreciate him. And throughout the time at his job, there's lots of like younger people making comments about how old he is, and there's lots of references to things like Facebook and Robert De Niro acting a little like, oh, I don't quite know how to use that, but I'll, I guess I'll figure it out because I'm old. Um, and there's just a lot of like that sort of banter for the first yeah. half of the movie. It's like differences in generation, generational differences. Yeah. So he's, yeah. Like, he's catching up and they're learning from him. So over time, his wisdom, the wisdom of his character, I guess, <laughs> kind of starts to shine through to everybody around him. For instance, one guy is trying to date a girl in the office, but she won't talk to him. She's mad at him and he's confiding in Ben and he's saying, you know, I've texted her a bunch of times. I emailed her and none of that worked. And through talking to Ben, he kind of realizes like, okay, I should really just go talk to her face to face. Um, One guy thinks that it's weird that Ben kind of, or I don't know if he thinks it's weird, but he he thinks it's... uh, interesting or intriguing or just different that Ben brings a briefcase to work but eventually he ends up getting his own briefcase because he's like yo that's that's the move um I'm loving the briefcase thing and so like he starts to rub off on the younger people around him almost in a way kind of like helping them learn how to just become better versions of themselves and they're kind of just like learning from his experience that they they realize that there's a lot to learn from him he's like the office dad yes (laughs) so jules Anne hathaway's character uh being the head of the company she started this company 18 months prior and now it's grown to i guess 200 plus employees that work yeah. in this building. I think it's total. 220 with the interns, including the interns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, to- was, there, was there like 2,000 people technically that were working total? Or I don't know. Okay, oh, let's just know. stick with the 200. Yeah. Um, so there's 200 plus employees, 220 with the interns. 
the whole business is growing incredibly fast and the workers in the office can't quite keep up to the point where the venture capitalists that are backing the company want to bring a CEO in to run the company. Uh, you know, a CEO who's got years of experience running other businesses, making them financially viable and successful. They want to bring in somebody with experience because, you know, despite the fact that Anne Hathaway's character, Jules, started this company, things are starting to kind of get away from them. And they want to make sure that they have somebody that can handle all of that. And they're not sure if she can necessarily because yeah. of, I guess, her experience and the way that things are going. I think she. I think they said um, we met like our five-year, ten-year goal in nine months. It was like five-year goal in eight months. Yeah. yeah, and so it's just like going real fast. Yes. So Ben, as her personal intern, she kind of discounts him a little bit, uh, but he's there to support her at every turn. And at first, yeah, she is ignoring him or downplaying the utility that he could have for her. Uh, but eventually she comes to realize that his presence actually grounds her quite a bit and that he's very wise and she feels a lot more calm throughout this high stress job with him there. So she, Jules, has a husband and daughter at home and her husband is a stay at home dad in order to help support her and her dreams for her business. And he is pretty burnt out. So he's actually really hopeful that that CEO is going to come in and come help the company or that a CEO is going to come in and help the company. That way she and him can have more free time for the family and, uh, you know, she can be part of her family's life just in general a bit more because she's like not really sleeping. She's not getting any one-on-one -on -one time with her kid or her husband. And so Ben... Robert De Niro's character, uh, slowly starts to turn into her personal assistant, like picking her up from work, uh, being her driver every day. He gets to know her family. He's talking to her daughter. And he's just, in general, really supporting her very, very well with his 40 years of work experience. And eventually, it comes to light that... Her husband is so burnt out from being a stay-at-home dad and never getting time with his wife that he ends up cheating on her with one of her with one of the moms at their daughter's school. And Ben, by accident one day, catches him cheating, but he chooses to keep it to himself because it's not really his place to say anything. But the next day him and Jules go on a work trip to interview a potential CEO in San Francisco. And Jules opens up to Ben that she knows her husband's cheating on her and she has doubts about what to do with the potential of a new CEO coming in because it could jeopardize her business or her ability to keep maintain the vision of her business. Uh, but having a CEO come in could help her relationship, which is clearly struggling because her husband's cheating on her. So Ben, being he, you know, he's old-fashioned, but he's also very progressive, which we love. <laughs> so he's telling her, like, she needs to remember, you know, she's the one that built this company. You know, it, it grew so much in 18 months. They hit their, you know, eight-month goal in five years. Like, she's the one that's responsible for that. Like, she 
is killing it and she needs to remember that and not sell herself short and you know remember that like this is her dream and Mm -hmm. that whatever she does he wants to support whatever is going to ultimately make her happy because he you know he thinks it's important that she does get a chance to follow her dreams Mm -hmm. but he also does recognize that she needs to slow down Mm -hmm. so and yeah and in that conversation too you know she's like a part of me kind of expected him to cheat like of course he would like I should just kind of like forgive him because you know it makes sense why it happened and Ben is like absolutely not like do not settle for that right no this is not yeah your fault don't take any of the blame for this exactly he's like no that should have never happened so yeah like make sure that you're not doing something for what you think could better your relationship do what's going to make you happy yes and where it goes from there is that you know she she does interview that potential ceo in san francisco and she ends up really liking him because he wants to support the vision. He seems to just overall understand what she's trying to do and he wants to help make things work. So she really likes him and wants to give him that job. Then when she's back in New York, her husband comes to work and they have a one-on-one chat finally. And he admits to cheating And he says, like, don't hire the CEO if you were doing it for me because this is your dream and it's important and I'm out here making mistakes. This is my fault. This is not your fault. And I've messed up. And so, like, don't sell yourself short and don't discount your dream just to try and make things work with me because clearly I kind of suck. Um, <laughs> I mean, he didn't say that, but like, yeah, that's the gist of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, she's an emotional mess, but in that conversation, she decides she's going to try and make things work with her husband. And then it's from there kind of implied that she does hire that new CEO and life for everyone I guess hopefully reaches a bit of a balance from there. She actually, I think it's implied that she does not hire. Oh, she does not. Oh, okay. Yeah. She decides that like, she's the one who will continue to run the company. So like they, they, they left that kind of ambiguous at the end. Yeah. And I, that I think, okay. I mean, that's the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. So overall my thoughts, Mm -hmm. I, I loved this movie. I thought it was great. I was like, whoa, like I'm feeling all kinds of emotions and things. (laughs) Like we're all out here working all the time. So we know kind of what it's like to be in this sort of environment and handling like office politics with like, you know, leadership coming in. Um, You know, everybody has their own work experience and work-life balance. And Mm -hmm. it can be a very difficult thing to, to navigate. And like, you know, I can understand her concerns about, like, you know, if somebody else comes in to run things, they're going to want to run it their way. And it's, you know, like, these are just common things that happen all the time in business. And it's, like, a lot of stress for people. So I can imagine, like, anybody that's working any kind of, like, corporate job mm-hmm. can strongly identify with everything that is going on at this company in this movie. Um and so that that I really liked because I kind of like could relate to just the general experiences that were going on. Um, and for me, like the 
the element of this movie that really stands out is Robert De Niro's character. Um, like me being a young man in today's society, growing up with social media and technology and all of this stuff, um, like his character really leaves an impression on the viewer. I'm, I'm going to say, I'll just go with, he left an impression on me. I'll speak for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, his whole gentleman thing really stuck out to me as something that like, I feel like I've personally kind of forgotten about in how to live my own life. Um, Cause like in today's day and age, young men, I mean, young people in general, like we've just got so much like content in the internet. There's, and there's just so much like speed to everything. Um, but like, I'll, I'll speak from my own experience and like my own gender and uh, sex, sex identity. Wait, sorry. Sex is, <laughs> sex is predetermined. Um, but like my own gender identity and gender expression. Mm-hmm. Um, like as a young man, having access to all of this content, all of this stuff. And like, I guess in today's day and age, like when you, when you compare the experience that you can tell that Robert De Niro's character has had, kind of working as a professional in a previous generation, um that like these values of being polite and professional and working hard and but like not being a pushover and like being confident and like having a handkerchief ready to go uh if somebody gets upset and just like being very respectful and kind of like living by a code of character that to me i just kind of feel like is really lost on the current generation because we don't have a lot of like, we don't just automatically grow up with those values being instilled in us. Like it's very reliant on like mentors in our lives to provide, like for us to look up to and to provide that kind of like uh, role model, yeah, to just be like, to, to, you know, finding role models. Mm-hmm. And like that just, that just like really stood up, stood out to me because it just, I, I think for me, like, I don't know. I feel like when I have these moments, I have these moments where I like, I remember this and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I, this is, this is stuff that I really value. Like, like I, I guess it's just looking at his character. I, I said it while we were watching the movie. I'm like, I want to be him when I grow up, you know? And like right now, yeah, I'm like working hard and I'm living my life and I'm doing all this stuff, but I don't know if I'm necessarily like, on track to quite like be that Mm -hmm. and watching this I guess was like so heartwarming and nice because I I don't know like for me personally I kind of feel like this was stuff like his behavior was something that I like really valued and then I don't know somewhere along the way I went to grad school a pandemic happened and I was working from home a lot and I kind of just like you know I, I I was having I've just been for the last three years having way less face-to-face interactions with people, especially in professional settings. And I think that's, for me, had an effect on, like, how I carry myself. Um, I wear, like, a lot more comfortable clothes or, like, T-shirts on, like, work days and stuff. But, like, I kind of used to be known as this guy that would, like, wear collared shirts all the time or, like, try to look nice. I used to wear ties at parties, um, like, 
And so for me, this was like really nice to kind of see this character and to like admire him so much because for me, it feels like I'm like regaining a part of my own identity and like the inspiration that this character is bringing to Mm -hmm. me as a viewer. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just like, it hit me really hard. Uh, I basically walked away thinking like, how can I be more like that character Mm. where others like, respect me and like me because not because I want them to, but because like, because of like my character, how I carry myself, how I treat others is something that others are drawn to. But in a sense that like, it makes us all feel like we're trying to be our best selves for the betterment of everyone around us. Mm -hmm. Like it's not something, that's not something that I want so that people will like me. I know that's, I don't need people to like me. Um, <clears throat> damn, I'm getting emotional here. Um, but it's, it's about being myself and being, being myself, being my best self and being good to others so that they feel inspired to live in the same kind of way. It's about leaving a positive impact behind mm-hmm. in my actions. Mm-hmm. And that's just something that I feel like has been washed away for mm-hmm. a lot of people. And it makes me think about what can I do to take action now mm-hmm. so I can live my life and work in such a way that like stands closer to my values, my ethics, my code, my character, mm-hmm. um, my honor. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, um, that's just like, oh, it just really made me think. And I was mm-hmm. like, dang, um, <laughs> like, what do I, what do I got to do to be a little bit more of a gentleman in my life? And mm. that like, I think we there's just so many toxic role models for young men out there these days. Mm-hmm. Um, like you think about like Andrew Tate, for example, mm-hmm. that like seeing something like this and seeing Robert De Niro's character, I'm like, yes, like that's that to me is like that's the role model of like the kind of guy that we should all be trying to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I sound like a broken record at this point, but uh, that it was just I was like, wow, like. Mm-hmm. Yes, there it is. Um, yeah. That's that's what I want. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think, like, especially when you're young, like, there's so much, there's still so much, like, egocentrism. Like, we're still kind of focused on how we feel, how, like, how things impact us. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like it can be, it's hard, it can be hard to step outside of that and, like, seeing this movie makes you forces you to step outside of yourself and see what it looks like to not be that (laughs) yeah um and i don't know it's it's hard i don't know it's like it's interesting and it's hard and it's especially if you weren't raised to to be that way or to interact with people in that way and then of course like you said having like the pandemic there's so much social isolation that like even me, like now I'm going into an office and I'm working with people face to face and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, it's like I'm having to relearn how to socialize. Like I find myself like having a harder time making eye contact when someone's like right in front of me and like, I find myself getting more anxious with like social interactions and now how does that like reflect onto what comes out of those conversations or like what comes out of those interactions? Um, So it's like, yeah, you kind of have to sit down and, and reflect of like, okay, who, how do I want to make a person feel when they interact with me? How do I do that? What behaviors will then make them feel cared, make them feel heard, make them yeah. feel seen and all of those things. Um, I don't know. 
<laughs> you're right. And it's like, I guess there's what I've kind of come to realize watching this movie is that, you know, there is a way to kind of carry yourself yeah. in order to just kind of like have those things be automatic in like a positive influence or positive impact on the other person. Mm-hmm that are within my control in a sense Mm -hmm. i mean not everything is in your control right but the things that are in my control right i've kind of just been winging (laughs) you know yeah but i think too like you say that like you are inspired to be that person and i do see qualities of his character in you already and i don't know that you noticed that but it's like the smallest things that you do that make a person feel cared for like for instance like when I feel a certain way or when I'm not feeling well or like whatever's going on with me, if I'm having a bad day, the first thing you do is what can I do to make you feel better? And you've always done that, whether you've like been aware of that or not. And I feel like it's just something that you've gotten so used to that now it's just your go-to. And so I feel like behaviors like that, like I think of like my parents, I grew up in the South. So like there's like Southern hospitality things that just like are ingrained in us. So it's like anytime I go to your parents' house, right? I I don't like to come empty-handed. I like to have something to offer them to thank them for letting me occupy the space, even though I know they don't expect it. Like they're not right. like she needs to bring her something. But it's just like for like I feel uncomfortable not doing that because that's just like how I've been raised is to like when someone hosts you or when someone does something for you, you know, you you like as a thank you, you bring them something. It doesn't have to be big. It can be a bottle of wine. It can be a thing of flour. I get your mom flowers or whatever. Yeah. I brought cookies to Christmas. You know, like something small. But I think like as you start doing those things, it becomes like second nature. You don't think about it. You just, yeah, it's just like an automatic and then you don't realize you're doing it. Right. I mean, that's kind of, yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of what I'm trying to go for. And like, maybe there are certain things that I'm already doing uh, as, as you're, as you were telling me (laughs) and I'm hoping as is true. um, It is. And, you know, there, like there are things that like, yeah, like if it's, leaving a positive impression on the other person Mm -hmm. and it's just something that I already automatically do just like what can I do to build more of those types Mm -hmm. of behaviors yeah um yeah I don't know it's just like it really made me think about how like I guess some some young men have kind of gotten this idea twisted around of like you know, with feminism, we're really trying to like boost up women, the like to be at the same level as us because historically they have not been, mm-hmm. and like helping, just like you know, we want that for women, mm-hmm. like and want them to break the glass ceiling, and like we're just in general as a society trying to do more to recognize mm-hmm. like the plight of women mm-hmm. in our society, mm-hmm. but so many young men are getting this idea that that thing that then means that like men are the root of all evil and all issues which i mean i mean yeah sure (laughs) like to a degree yeah yeah but like but being a man saying saying like yeah i am a man like thinking about what does it mean to be a man Mm -hmm. does not have does not have to mean in the eyes of a woman that you are bad like you got to think about what what does it mean to you to be like a man or Mm -hmm. a gentleman in this case like what does that mean 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that definition mm-hmm. has just kind of been lost. Mm. And like when I look at Robert De Niro's character in this movie, I'm like that that's like a man. That's like that's yeah. that's what we're supposed to be aspiring to, mm-hmm. but it feels like nobody knows that that that's like that's what we're supposed to be proud of to want to be and how to act. Mm-hmm. That has just kind of all of a sudden kind of turned into like oh, I'm bad because I want to be a man uh, or I'm bad because I like like these man things and it's like we're just getting the wrong idea about what man things are. Mm-hmm. Being a man does not mean you have to be uh, like an evil person or mm-hmm. have to be mean to people or belittle people mm-hmm. or like race to success and be like the richest person in the room. Mm-hmm. Like it's not about that. Yeah. And I think that's just where things have really gotten lost. Yeah. And that's just what I really liked about this movie is that, you know, for me, I'm like, I feel like the things like this are like, can stand as can be like a, I don't know, a lodestar. I don't know if that's the right, the right definition for that, but can be something that, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm hoping other people kind of other like men watch this movie and came away Mm-hmm. with the same sort of like takeaway that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's just like, we just need more of this like mm-hmm. positive masculine role models mm-hmm. in film and media, because there's like a lot of examples of like men doing terrible things. Yeah. And uh, like, we need to think a bit more about like our role in society, mm-hmm. whatever that means. Mm-hmm. Um, like being an ally, like how I, I, to me, I'm thinking of like being a man is like in the position that I have mm-hmm. in society with the, with the privilege that comes with being a man, mm-hmm. how can I use that privilege to then like boost up others who have been historically marginalized mm-hmm. and just like, you know, I talk a lot about like not wanting to be a problem mm-hmm. um, and uh, like this to me feels like yeah like if you lived and act by this like code of character um, and honor I guess like mm-hmm. you will never be a problem you mm-hmm. can be confident you can live your life you can be a professional working person mm-hmm. and not be a problem to people mm-hmm. um, or if you make a mistake because everybody makes mistakes. Right. People are going to be more willing to be like, you know, you made a mistake. Like, right. that's totally fine. We know this is not your character. Right. You just happen to make this mistake. Right. And so it's like you're, you'll be more respected by others if you are respecting others. You know? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Depending on what that mistake is. I mean, if you like completely do something crazy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Obviously. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. like, it's yeah I get what you mean it just it just really made me think about like you know like in in the most recent season of Dave I think he like calls up his mom because he's like mom what are our values like what do we live by because he doesn't know and I'm like that's a perfect perfect summation of like what I just think the current experience is right now yeah and I'm like we need to like all the men out there need to remember what our what our values are yeah and what what we live by and I mean like that's that applies to everybody I just I'm just saying like men need to specifically remember this because like I think 
women know what they got to do to work, be out here working hard. And yeah. like, that's it, cause it's like, it sucks. Like we've created this obstacles. just obstacles for them. Um, and we, as men, as the just historically people in the place of privilege and on top need to remember like how to maintain our, uh, what's the word morality, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and how to like, how to be positive contributors to the world around us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. That's whew, <laughs> <it was> a lot. <laughs> no, I'm glad that you really like this. It makes me really happy to hear that you like this movie and that like Robert De Niro's character has made you think so much about like yourself and how you engage with the world. I feel like this movie flew so under the radar. Like, I don't know anybody who's talked about this movie. Like, and I, I feel like when you say the intern, people immediately think the internship. <laughs> or the Vince Vaughn, yeah. uh, Owen Wilson movie. Yeah, it's like yeah. no one really, I feel like no one really knows what this movie is. And it is one of my favorite movies because it's so wholesome, because it has like such a good moral to the story. It's like you learn so much from Robert De Niro. As a woman, I'm learning so much from Anne Hathaway's character, from Jules. Like, it's just such a good movie yeah it's so no, it, good. Is, it is great like i can't recommend it enough yeah i wish i just wish the ending was a Clear. little clearer yeah yeah that's fair. a little less opaque that's fair yeah but yeah i'm glad you enjoyed it yeah thank you yeah, <laughs> of course. great solid pick <laughs> of course i did not anticipate that you would enjoy it so much i thought you might think it was like a little slow because it is kind of like a slow paced yeah movie. no i mean I, I i enjoyed it the um i do remember that when it came out, one of my roommates at the time had seen it and he talked about how it was a good movie and I saw that the reviews were good. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, what, a comedy movie? Like what? <laughs> With Anne Hathaway and Robert De Niro? Like what is this? Yeah. You know? uh, it's, it's, it's very easy to discount on the surface, but then when you watch it, when you watch it, like, gosh, I feel myself like tearing up and getting emotional and feeling things. I'm like, how, what? And this is this is what I talk about all the time on this podcast. Mm-hmm. I love watching things that make me feel things. <laughs> I think I like, you know, the Mission Impossible movies because I'm like, whoa. And that makes yeah. me feel like... Adrenaline. Adrenaline, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like things like this because it really, you know, it leaves an impact on you and makes you think about, like, you life. know... If you watch a movie that then inspires you to go, like, live your life a little bit differently, that's a fantastic movie. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Any other thoughts before I jump into some facts? Uh, uh, all I, the only other thing that I had written down was um, seeing the speed at which these people in this movie were working at this company <laughs> gave me a lot of anxiety. Uh, yeah. And but I I was kind of like I was like okay I work hard but I'm like I am not like deep in a swamp and like pulling through it through some miracle like these people are Mm -hmm. um so i was glad that the movie kind of highlighted that like that's not how things are really supposed to be (laughs) (laughs) it's funny because you were like is this how your job is i was like no (laughs) not at all no um yeah it's they were doing a lot a lot a lot the way her meetings were scheduled i was like that's impossible she would have like a four a 4 p.m and a 405 p.m so yeah. like meetings would be five minutes long i was like please show up to your 355 p.m promptly <laughs> because she has a 4 p.m meeting yeah. i was like impossible no they were yeah. like she's a late by an hour to every meeting i was like no way yeah like there's no way um 
yeah they needed to get that together <laughs> uh, all right so go ahead okay so i don't really have too many facts and some of them they're kind of like dumb facts um first fact is and i don't know how true this is but it was on imdb trivia Quentin. I mean, you might have you might have wanted to look up the uh, know, a secondary have. source. Honestly, <laughs> if you're doubting a, it, it's such a dumb thing that I was like, I'm not investing the time All to right, see let's hear it. But apparently, Quentin Tarantino named this one of his favorite movies of 2015. <laughs> that no, that that actually, I fully believe that because he releases a list mm, every year. Okay, okay. Um, so apparently. Reese Witherspoon was originally cast as Jules, but dropped out, which personally, I think I love Anne Hathaway in that I think role. Anne Hathaway works a bit better. Yeah. I don't think I would have liked it as much with Reese Witherspoon. I agree. She's got her moments, but like, I don't know, I just, I feel like I can identify with yeah. Anne Hathaway a little, or I, or I can emotionally <laughs> invest myself in Anne Hathaway a little bit more than I can Reese Witherspoon. I agree. Um, so... I've, so one of the directors of this movie is Nancy Myers, who also directed The Parent Trap. Um, and so okay. <laughs> there's a scene where Jules goes to meet Ben at the coffee shop. She apologizes because she wanted to get Ben transferred at first because like she was just like kind of put off by Ben's, I guess, interest in her personal life. Yeah. Um, she was like, he's like, he's too observant. And so she got him transferred, but then realized she made a huge mistake. Sees meets him at a coffee shop, and on the two of the cups is Annie and Hallie, oh. which are the names of Lindsay Lohan <laughs> in the parent shop. I mean, that's fun. That's just that's such a small. It is quick to create <laughs> Easter egg. It is. So my next fact is really in throughout this movie, there's a lot of references or nods to a bunch of the movies that not only like that the director worked on, but that Robert De Niro was in, that Anne Hathaway was in. So, for example, at one point, Jules is, like, telling Robert De Niro he's going the wrong way and it's going to take too long. And he's like, no, I know what I'm talking about. I used to drive a taxi because oh, he was he a says, taxi driver. he said that? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> he's like, I used to drive a cab. Um, Robert De Niro also mentions how much he loves Harry Potter. And Anne Hathaway is like, oh, my gosh, like, Matt loves Harry Potter, which is her husband. And it's, like, this kind of – this is, like, a, kind of a stretch, but it's, like, a nod to the Devil Wears Prada where Anne Hathaway had to, like – break her back to get the Harry, the new Harry Potter for Meryl Streep's daughters. Yeah, that's a, that's a stretch. <laughs> it is. I know. But I've seen that yeah. scene. I, no, that's a stretch. It is a stretch. But there are a lot of other references, and I just didn't write them down because there were yeah. so many, uh, to a lot of Robert De Niro's movies, Anne Hathaway's movies, and things like that. Gotcha. Um, that's all the notes I had. There really wasn't anything else. It was a lot of notes that were like, these people were in the same movie. I hate when they do that. Um, so yeah, so, but I do have, I do have two questions for you. Oh, questions. Yes. At the end of this already very long podcast. I know. They're very quick questions. No, no, it's fine. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Keep going. Have you done any internships before? Uh, uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, okay. It depends. I, so my, my last year of grad school, I was technically a graduate data intern. That was, mm-hmm. it was technically an internship at the Office of Institutional Research at Cal State Northridge, which was a very fun opportunity. I, I did feel very much like an intern. Mm-hmm. However, um, it was during the pandemic, so it was all virtual. I never got to meet any of my coworkers mm-hmm. in person, but it was an experience that I, I did really enjoy, and I learned a lot from because we 
were in statistics classes together, yeah. uh, the two of us in grad school, and we were learning all kinds of things. And a lot of the times when we were doing these projects or like finishing these labs, we were like, I don't know what I'm even supposed to apply this to. And then suddenly now I'm working in the office of institutional research do like I've got the data on like these surveys that have been collected from students and figuring out like certain findings that like the further a student lived from campus, the lower their GPA was. Mm -hmm. And uh, using like logistic regressions to figure that stuff out. And like before that, when we were taking multivariate statistics, I was like logistic regression. I don't like, when am I going to use this? What even is this? What is this for? Mm -hmm. And then suddenly I'm applying it. So that, yeah, yeah, that was a very positive experience that really helped me like sink into statistics and Mm -hmm. making practical sense out of them Mm -hmm. that I would not have traded for anything else. But other than that, I have not really had any internships. I wanted to have an internship the summer after my first year of grad school, like a summer Mm -hmm. internship at a company, but COVID happened and everybody's internships got canceled. So, yeah, rough. Yeah. So, no, I've never had an internship, (laughs) which like I'm kind of sad about because it's well, it's, you know, it's just hard to get experience out there. And internships really do prepare you for specific types of roles um, that and companies love that because like, you know, you've got the experience of working somewhere with like an established system. And my experience has been a little bit more kind of like figuring it out as I go and Mm -hmm. having maybe a little bit less mentorship from higher up roles. And that's some, that's just like a professional experience that I kind of wish at this point as a 29 year old professional Mm -hmm. that I've had Mm -hmm. more of. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, certainly it's, it's something that I'm always kind of keeping in mind as a professional, like, um, you know, if I'm, I'm at my current job, but like mm-hmm. if for any reason in the future, yeah. I'm looking for another job, like having that opportunity to learn from somebody above me is something mm-hmm. that I'm really looking for because I haven't had uh, that like mm-hmm. true authentic internship yeah. experience. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And like, I'm lucky that I figured out that I did not want to stay in academia early enough so that I could have industry experience through internships. Um, one, because like you said, you gain valuable skills. It'll be great for making you competitive once you go out into the job market. But two, I think the really important thing um, is that it allows you to see what companies are like before you even apply to the job at that at those companies. Because True. yeah. A lot of time, like when you're interviewing, it can be really hard to figure out the company's culture and what they value. And of course, they can tell you, you know, you can talk to folks and they'll tell you a story about the company's culture. You never know if like, not that they're not, not that they're lying, but you know, they want you to work there. So they're, they might give you the best view of it. And then you get in there and you're like, this is not the kind of culture that I was really looking for. It's not a good fit for me. So I feel like the benefit the biggest benefit for me of an internship is like I get a chance to be in a company for a long enough time to assess, okay, what do they value? How are the employees treated? You know, what is the work-life balance going to look like? And then it's like, it's not, you're not committed. So it's like, okay, if it's terrible, <laughs> you're only here for a few months. Yeah. Best case scenario, it's wonderful. And you're like, this is the standard. Like, this is what I'm looking for in an employer. 
I can now apply to this place or like try and seek out another place that look that feels like that, um, which I think is really cool. Um, my second question was yeah, dream experience. Like if you could intern for any company, where would you want to intern or who would you want to intern for? That's an interesting question. Um, if I could intern for any company, I think I would right now. Um, I mean, there's one that is just sticking at the top of my head, but I'm trying to see if there's anything else that uh, I'm exploring in my head right now. The depths of <laughs> like all the different companies out there. Mm-hmm. But the one I keep going back to uh, is PlayStation. So, you know, I, I've always loved video games. I've been playing video games my whole life. Mm-hmm. I don't do anything currently uh, that's in a professional capacity that has to do with video games and is something that I'm so passionate about. Um, it, I, it's, it's just it's something that I devote a lot of mental resources mm-hmm. to knowing understanding paying attention to the industry and i don't do anything with that to aid me in my professional life so mm-hmm. that is that is something where it's like oh if i had an opportunity at a place like playstation mm-hmm. that would be i think really rewarding for me because mm-hmm. like i'm very much into like technology and design and like what goes into creating an experience for somebody Mm -hmm. but not never in this space that I am a very massive consumer of Mm -hmm. and appreciate quite a bit to an almost like museum level of of appreciation um and yeah working for a place like PlayStation they're on the cutting edge of what the video game industry is doing they're mm-hmm. currently winning the console war and Microsoft themselves uh who has Xbox literally admitted in court <laughs> that they lost the console console wars because PlayStation is just really on top of things they are mm-hmm. cr- like creating new experiences that people have never had before um, they've really got their design workflow down in a way that's like just it, it's like it it feels like they've cracked the code mm-hmm. um, and uh, they're pushing technology to what you know what can be done next they've got it's you know we own a ps5 and they've got like the best controller on the market with haptic feedback and you don't even think about the fact that like, oh, they've been in the motion space for a long time. They've, they had the PlayStation move back when the, in the PS3 days and it was their response to the Wii. Maybe you don't own a PlayStation move, but like they're in that space. They are developing that technology. They've got a VR headset that mm-hmm. just came out this year, the PlayStation VR 2. Not a lot of people even own that thing, but they're in that space. Like there is an opportunity there mm-hmm. and, and they're working in that space. A company like Nintendo, who has clearly got their design just down, because I mean, they are truly innovating, but mm-hmm. at a company like PlayStation, like there's just, there's so many opportunities for all different types mm-hmm. of people and different types of technology. And they're mm-hmm. fully trying to leverage that. I mean, the their Project Leonardo controller that... Um, is their new accessibility controller is like Mm -hmm. a truly innovative piece of technology that is going to allow a whole host of people who 
like might love video games but just don't have the ability to play them because of what their physical circumstances mm-hmm. um you know like that to me is like that is showing that you care about your users your market the people that appreciate your brand and wanting to open that up to as many people as possible mm-hmm. um both in who works at your company and like the opportunities that are available at your company, but also the people that can engage with your product. And that's just something that I think I really admire about the PlayStation brand. Please hire me. Thank you. Bye. I was literally <laughs> like, I'm just going to cut a clip of this and put it on LinkedIn. <laughs> like, boom. Hire my baby. <laughs> that was well put. I mean, I don't think I'm saying anything that anybody else doesn't already know. Um, it's just like, I just, I feel like I just said all of that in a very like knowledgeable way and I don't get to use that for work (laughs) (laughs) and that kills me. Well, Um, it just, it shows your passion. It shows your passion for it, which I think is like the biggest thing of like what can make you successful in any industry is if you're passionate about it, if you care about it, if it makes you happy. Right. So I hope you're for the best for you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll see. I don't know, maybe, maybe one day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, keeping my options open. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Cool. All right. That's all I had. Cool. Uh, great episode. Very long, but, you know, I I think I will be having a good time re-listening to this one. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Yeah, we covered a lot. We did. Yeah. <laughs> So let's jump into this week's assignments. Okay. You got to go first because I don't have anything. So, all right. So Barbenheimer is next week. For those that don't know what Barbenheimer is, (laughs) that is the new Barbie movie directed by Greta Gerwig is coming out. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are excited. But also Oppenheimer, the new Christopher Nolan movie is coming out. Christopher Nolan being the director of the Dark Knight franchise, Inception, uh, Interstellar, Tenet was his last movie, you know. A truly uh, innovative auteur of the film making industry. Yeah. And so with Oppenheimer coming out uh, and people being very excited about that and how they're both coming out on the same day and we're doing a double feature. Yeah. uh, I thought that this would be the perfect opportunity to visit one of Christopher Nolan's very first movies before he even made the Dark Knight franchise. And that is a movie called Memento, released in the late 90s. And it is a fantastic movie. Well, I say fantastic. Maybe fantastic isn't the right word. But it's it's a very innovative in its own way kind of movie that I think a lot of people maybe don't know about. Mm -hmm. And it is... I think something to be appreciated from a filmmaking standpoint. Okay. That does not help. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, I, my, my theme is that yeah. I'm picking based on the fact that Barbenheimer's coming out. So if you want to pick something Barbie adjacent, I, that's the thing. I don't have anything Barbie adjacent. I, Greta Gerwig, she did Lady Bird, right? Yep. That, well, that would be the only thing Greta Gerwig that I could assign, but I think you've already seen Lady Bird. Oh, yeah, I, I saw that in theaters. Right. That's so a good movie. I don't... Or... Wait, no. You've seen No Strings Attached, haven't you? Yeah, we watched it together. Yeah, as I'll say, she's in that. So I don't have anything Greta Gerwig. I also... The closest thing I have to Barbie would be Life Size, but I've already given that to you. And I... Yep. 
Uh, Love that. That's a great movie too. (laughs) And I have not seen any of the Barbie movies aside from the one that we watched together and like Barbie Nutcracker, but that would be like a Christmas pick, I feel like. Barbie Nutcracker. And I don't, I don't know if I watched all of Barbie Nutcracker to even be able to assign it. So. Well, it's definitely not to Barbie Nutcracker. I know. I know. Okay. Let me think of. I mean, we could do Barbie Nutcracker, honestly. Uh, I don't know that I want to though. Yeah. It'd be weird. Yeah. Memento and barbie nutcracker uh okay but here's the thing it doesn't it, you know you don't have to pick something barbie you don't have to pick something like, I know. on the girlier side like you know it's pick whatever you feel like picking i know i know i know i'm sorry i'm taking so long the people uh. are listening the people are waiting <laughs> i'm so sorry on the edge of their seats no, i'm like stressed because i can't are they still listening <gasps> stop <laughs> i can't pick fast enough i'm just messing with you Okay, I'm going to assign you... Okay, I want to assign this thing, but I don't know that we'll find it easily. We might have to buy the DVD. Dang, that obscure. All right. That's Hold exciting. On. Let me see. Let me do a quick little... Fill the space real quick. Um, Barbie Horse Adventures 2000-something. Have you have you played that video game? I heard that's a... I remember seeing a lot of uh, ads for that. What? <laughs> I don't know. There's, I, there's a lot of Barbie. Con- I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm just gonna comment on, on Barbie for a second. Uh, with this new Barbie movie coming out, I'm wondering where the Barbie branding is gonna go from here. Is this gonna stand out as kind of like this big tentpole movie? Tentpole. That's the word I was looking for earlier when I said Lodestar. Um, is this gonna stand as this big like tentpole of the Barbie brand, or is, you know? If it's really good, are people going to expect things in this similar vein as far as like Barbie content goes? Because maybe people that didn't like Barbie are now appreciating Barbie again and they don't want to go back to the, you know, Barbie choose your own adventure game on Netflix or whatever Barbie content is currently being put out there. You know, I wonder what's the Barbie brand strategy for after this movie comes out? What are they going to do? What is their plan? I'm very (laughs) curious. There's so many unanswered questions and I feel like we're going to get answers and it might be interesting from like a marketing and business point of view. And maybe we're not thinking about that. Was that enough space filling? Okay. Sure. A, okay. I, I still didn't get clarity of whether we'll find this movie. Well, I know for a fact we won't find it streaming. I don't know if we can buy the DVD. I'll have to go on because it wouldn't show up on my phone if you could buy the DVD. Okay. Wait, does that mean if it doesn't show up on your phone on Amazon that you can buy the DVD, does that mean it's not available for purchase? Wait, if it shows up on your phone that you can buy the DVD? That you, like it doesn't. So if I, I looked up this movie on Amazon okay. and it just says like not available on your phone because like I'm on my phone. That yeah, I mean, maybe you could buy the DVD. Yeah. Okay. So let me get a little background of why this is sort of related to Barbie, <laughs> even though it's not at all related to Barbie. All right. I, I didn't. Really I'm play- on the edge of my seat. <laughs> I did not really play with Barbies. However, there were. Oh, <laughs> I know where this is going. (laughs) There were a few Barbies that I did play with, and those were Spice Girls Barbies. Oh, I was thinking of Bratz, my bad. Oh, see, you know. Is there a Bratz movie? There is a Bratz movie. I have not seen the full Bratz movie. I know. I wish I could have signed that. All right. Um, So, yeah, I played with Spice Girl Barbies, and so I wanted to assign you Spice World. That's perfect. (laughs) If we can find it, because it's really hard to freaking find. So if we can't find the movie, I'll just pick something else and it'll be a surprise for next week. Okay. 
So next week it'll be Spice World and Memento. <laughs> Memento. Nice. Yep. All right. Um, I okay. I I'm looking forward to watching Spice World. I've always, I guess, wanted to see it. <laughs> I don't like when yeah. I was a kid. I knew what the Spice Girls were. Yeah. And I I feel like I like kind of liked some of the songs. Yeah. Like they were they were catchy. You know. Yeah. So um. I love yeah. the Spice World this movie. Is, this is a this is a pop culture gap for me, and I would, I'm very interested to to get it filled. I'm curious. Let's hope we find it. All right, next week we will see you for Spice World and <laughs> Memento. Awesome. We'll see you then. See you then. Bye. Bye.